Drive-by cinema. Three nachos and a foaming thermos of fun. Hello and welcome. This is Drive-by Cinema, Series 3, Episode 25. I'm Rick. This is my co-host, Paul. I am indeed. I can confirm that information. Episode 25, Series 3, Drive-by Cinema. And, yeah. The podcast that watches the movies so you don't have to. And you certainly don't have to. No. Deep breath. You got any corrections and omissions? I'm going to avoid talking about intellectual property because I've been doing Why? quite a lot of that lately. It's, it's, it's a lot, isn't it? It's a lot to take in. So, yeah, so let's let's not go down that avenue because it's it's quite an extensive one, as we found out last week, didn't we? Well, I have been, though. I've, oh. I've been noticing ChatGPT yeah. has been... This will date the podcast, won't it? This is our... Mm-hmm. Putting a date stamp on the podcast. Well, we're still excited about what it can do. Exactly. I mean, in a few months either, everyone will have forgotten about it because they'll, they're will they about to launch their paid-for version. I think that, that means they're going to be sort of turning off functionality, presumably on the free version. Correct, yeah. So either no one will be talking about it anymore because no one will be paying for it, or like AIs will have taken over the world, and the only thing listening to this, presumably, was some AI. <laughs> or, or Curating. Future, DBCs we've generated by an AI. Curating our heart rates through uh, through various uh, sort of uh, non-directed learning patterns of our speech. Yeah, okay. Just doing in- investigating us for interest. A professor at a university gave ChatGPT an MBA recently. He did it. He gave it a test <laughs> and decided it had passed. I was fascinated by the idea of giving it questions. And... I found a question to give it. You know, in The Guardian, yeah. and this is ripping off The Guardian, getting back to intellectual property, but on Mondays in The Guardian, uh, they do like a puzzle. They do. Alex Alex Bellos, I think. That's right, exactly. Did you see the Mondays this week? No, no, no. Well, let's do the puzzle, okay. see if we can okay. figure it out. Here we and go. And then ask ChatGPT. Ask Ch- ChatGPT. Is this, is this what you've done earlier? Is this Blue Peter? Is this live? Are you literally... It's a bit Blue Peter, yeah. Although the live bit is you trying to figure this puzzle out. I thought it would be, yeah. It'd be a lot of fun. So you're giving ChatGPT at least one iteration, and you're giving me no iteration. So it's not... We're not comparing, <laughs> you know, apples and oranges here, are we? Whatever that means. Here's the thing. Right, here's what? the puzzle situation. It's a prisoner's dilemma. So oh, I want you to imagine. I hate these. We're in a prison cell together for some unknown crime. If it's probably... a duck and a dog and a bag of grain, I can get that across the river, but that's about as far as I can get, okay? <laughs> if there's a prison on the other no, side, so, I'm not interested. Listen. Go on. What's going to happen is this. The guard is going to arrive. Yeah. He's going to take me into a room. Your B. With... Okay. B's in I'm the B. room. What? I'm A, you're B. Go on. You're in the cell. Okay. Uh, the guard is going to take me to the room, yeah. and he's going to show me four boxes. He's going to put a piece of paper in, into one of the boxes. Yeah. That's our freedom. That's our, that's our pardon in the piece of paper. So we, we're sharing a cell, okay? He takes you into a separate room and shows you the box that he's going to put the paper in. Yeah, I'm telling you what's going to happen first. Okay. What's going to happen? He's going to take me into a room. He's going to show me four boxes. And one of the boxes, he's going to put our pardon. Okay, and he's going to seal the boxes. Then he's going to take... I'm going to replace four... his phone while he's doing that. When you come out, you're going to hit him on the head. And then... <laughs> is this an escape plan, Richard? Or something? Are you, what are you we doing don't here? need to escape, Paul. All we oh. need to do is find that pardon in the box. Yeah. And we're free, free men. We can, we're free to go. Excuse me. Uh, I don't what? know about you. What? I can't spend another day what? in a cell with you. We've got to get what? out. What? Excuse me. Find what? What? A pardon. A, par- a pardon. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> got to fill this 60 minutes somehow. Go on, go on Richard. I- I'm going to be taken in there. I'm going to see four boxes. I'm going to observe the guard putting the pardon into one of the boxes. Does Chat GPT get, get impatient with you, Richard? Well, you type it in. Now, the guard is then going to... Listen to me. The guard is then going to flip four coins and place them on top of each box, those four coins. Okay, head tails. I think he's going to flip four coins and decide whether to thump you. Go on, carry on. Sorry. And then I'm going to have to flip over one of the coins. I I must turn one of those coins over. Yeah. And then he takes me out of the room and then he brings you into the room. And we we haven't been able to chat between hands. Yeah. Between those instances. Did you see which 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 one he put the pardon in? Yes. Oh, okay. Yes. And so the goal is... You to leave a signal for me. We have to figure out a code, a way of me 
signalling the right box to you Yeah, uh, that we can do in advance. How do we guarantee our freedom, Paul? Right, okay. So, But we know what's going to happen before we go in. We know, we know exactly what's going to happen. We can discuss our strategy before we go in. We can. Okay. It could be heads or tails. Well, let's call the result that the box that we're interested in is result A. Okay. Right. Okay. We have to, we have to look at the, we have to look at the other potentialities there. Okay. I mean, oh gosh, wow. I mean, in this situation that it, it's heads and the it's A result A and the only other result B, I don't think there's anything we can do, is there? Oh, you think it's an impossible problem that they set in the Guardian? A puzzle with no answer. No, okay, I've got it. I've got it. I've got to get it. Good. So we're gonna we're gonna read. You're gonna instruct me to either read clockwise or anticlockwise. Okay. To start off with. Okay. Oh, fuck, I don't know. That's a tough one, that. Yeah, I'm just looking at possibilities where, like, you know, uh, the coin we're interested in is up. Let's call it up rather than A or B. Uh, and there's a coin opposite that is up. I mm-hmm. mean, I could then, like, turn the coin between them, that's what I read anticlockwise, and say when you get to the first of three, reading anticlockwise, that's going to be the one. So it worked with that. If if our coin and the one after it anticlockwise were both up or, or both the same, then I could take the third third one, okay, and then we'd have the same situation. Uh, if the coin before it was up and the other two were down, then you turn the coin itself so that it was the first of three. Yeah, I think the first of three read anticlockwise. That's relatively safe. I think eighty or ninety percent of the time we'd be able to. S- to arrange things so we get out. I'm not sure you're totally there, but I don't blame you because it does. It just took me a while to get this. I had to write things down on a piece of paper. The way I conceptualised it is this: we know that there's only four boxes, yeah, and we know we only need two bits to trans transmit that information, right? Right. So zero 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 one one zero one one. Yeah, that's better enough. than up and down. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we only need two coins. The only trouble is. I have to turn a coin over. I have to. I'm That's the problem, to. Yeah, yeah. It is a problem. So what we do is this. Let's imagine we've got four boxes in a row. Let's say that box two, we we always ignore. Well, you always ignore, rather. It doesn't matter what box two is telling you. And then I tell you that on box one, that coin, whether it's heads or tails, tells you what the zero is. And then box three and four tell you where... The boxes are with zero index. So oh, okay. So zero, easy. one, two, three. Yeah. And so, in that circumstance, if the coins happen to have fallen correctly, as it mm. were, I only need to turn over number two, and you're going to ignore it. You know. Uh, and in all other circumstances, I can arrange it so that box one, three, and four, well, box three and four spell out zero, 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 one, one, zero, one, one depending on the zero coin, the number one coin telling us which one is the zero. Does that make sense? Yeah, okay. Now, I like that. I think it's definitely an avenue to go down. It's like uh, binary binary messages there, okay? So I'm, I don't know if you've solved it entirely because I can't quite work out what you're saying. But uh, <laughs> Well, imagine, I think well, you, imagine you see, imagine you go in and you see tail, head, tail, tail, say. Yeah, three at one down. Uh, so you're ignoring number two. The first box, the tail, is telling you what the zero is. And then three and four, tail, tail, means zero, zero. So that means zip box zero, zero, which is the one on the far left. Right. You got it? And it, if it was tail, head, head, tail, yeah, that would mean one zero, which yeah. would be the third box. Oh, so if it's if the first one's zero, you ignore the first two. If it's not zero, you don't ignore the first two. Is that what you're saying? No, no. The first coin is telling you whether head or tail is the zero in box yeah. three and four. Right. You got me? Kind of. <laughs> right, okay. So if box one has got a head on it and it's head, tail... It's like the drinking game, okay, where if somebody's holding their ear, you ignore the message. Is that what you're saying, essentially? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think so, yeah. Oh, oh. Right, okay, so can we ask ChatGPT, because I failed. Yeah, so here's ChatGPT's answer. Uh-huh. The strategy that guarantees the prisoners will win their freedom 
is for Piper, that's one of the prisoners in the uh, Guardian, to turn over the coin on the box that the guard placed the paper in. When Alex, that's Paul, you, is brought into the cell, they will see that the coin on the box with the paper has been turned over... And they can open that box with a high probability of success, since the other boxes have an equal chance of having the paper, while the box with the turned over <laughs> coin has a 100% chance of having the paper. Okay. This strategy guarantees that the prisoners will win their freedom with a probability of one half. <laughs> <laughs> so, so definitely a participation trophy there. Okay. <laughs> Definitely a participation trophy MBA, but I'm not sure that ChatGPT has quite understood the assignment. I think you're right. And with that, music. Music. We are in Korea, Paul. We are in Korea. For this film. A very moody Korea. And what's the name of the film? Oh, I'm glad you asked. It's Decision to Leave. It's from 2022. It's a blockbuster smash in Korea. Uh, and I saw it on Mubi, which is new to me. Well, it's not going to be new to you for much longer because you forgot uh, to cancel your one week free subscription. Yeah. <laughs> so it's now free. It's now turned from free to six ninety nine. Yeah. So we were saying, you know, I've got to make the most of this and watch lots of movies I don't want to watch to get my money's worth. Yeah, yeah. So Decision to Leave, I'm guessing you might call it a romantic detective movie or a romantic thriller I'm not quite sure is it not as a lot of people seem to say a film noir it is it's exceptionally moody it's very very sultry yeah definitely film noir okay it is literally about a femme fatale so speaking of korean uh, culture paul yeah you did once mention the idea that oh, you're God, hankering after a bit of korean barbecue Oh, we forgot about that because uh, my life became random. Absolutely. Uh, but more than that, I'm hankering after a Sichuan hot pot, which is not in Korea. But um, yes, definitely. Absolutely. I'm not so certain. I mean, I know you can get hot pot places in Manchester. You but can. I definitely know of a Korean barbecue place. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. But that's not what they eat in this film. He, he is keen on sushi, isn't he? And turtles. Oh, yeah, soft-shell turtles. Snapping turtles, which, incidentally. Yeah, yeah, they're big on sushi. Okay, I don't know why. I've never really seen the appeal of sushi, I have to be honest. Oh, really? It's all right, you know, for a treat, but I wouldn't want to eat it every week. What about those restaurants where it's all on a conveyor belt? Oh, yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. I knew, I knew the gimmick would hook you in. It's like it's like getting a child to go to a restaurant, isn't it? Yeah, it's like a hooky-grabby hooky machine, isn't it? You know, <laughs> As long as there's something Definitely. to do, you're happy. Yeah. yeah, even better if on the conveyor belt they put a comical, like, money box monkey with a, with a, nodding, with a, with a nodding head or, you know, a cat with a waving hand. Well, there was a bit of a trend, wasn't there, for a while, about people putting GoPros and cameras and stuff on those Oh, sushi. I thought you were going to say naked women. But, yeah, yeah, that's another trend, too, yeah. But apparently it's not ethical, is it? It's not really, is it? Because you're invading the privacy, not only of the restaurant staff behind the scenes, as it were, but also of all the other patrons. Similarly, it's illegal to keep your dash cam on uh, when you put your car in for repair. Oh, right, because you, you might... You might see them, like, trying to rip you off, is that... Well, no, you definitely will see them trying to rip you off. Yeah. <laughs> Tell you what, go... Is he, is he, is he, is he a honour customer? Yeah, he comes every year. Tell you what, just uh, drain the aisle halfway and put... You know, just hoist it up, uh, get the wheels off and just spin the engine at 8,000 revs for two minutes, all right? Won't cause immediate damage, but it'll be back in in six months' time. You know, of course. <laughs> of course they do that. Why wouldn't they? Paul, do you know the director of this film? Uh, I do. It was directed oh. by Pak, uh, Pak Chan-wook. Yeah, now he has done oh, a couple... Pak Chan-wook. He's done a couple of classic, like, regarded, well-regarded films. Yes, yeah, super well-regarded. Okay, uh, and I did check those out, but I've summarily forgotten them. One of them, I think, is really famous, isn't it? Yeah, Old Boy, I think, is That's right. yeah, really yeah, famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently, the story about Old Boy is a guy is abducted and kept kind of in a room for years and years That's and then right. released and encouraged to get his revenge or something I with think. or without a flip of a coin it sounds 
really interesting. I'd, I'd quite like to see it, I think. Let's note that down for later, old boy. And the other one is The Handmaiden, which That's... I think is a retelling of a story called The Fingersmith, but which The Fingersmith was set in a Victorian kind of London, a sexy kind of uh, Victorian London story. This has obviously been transplanted into Korea, but again, I'd really like to see it, I think. It sounds good. Okay, I've noted those down. Uh, this one made $22 million at the Korean box office, which isn't bad at all. Uh, and obviously was selected to be awarded lots and lots of things at the Cannes Film Festival and the Parme d'Or. Now, we're going to follow a detective in the police force. Yeah, shall we just call them English names? What, he, what is his name? <sighs> I don't know. It's, this is going to be difficult, okay? It is, because I, I didn't pick his name up at all. He wasn't really... I don't think he was referred to for quite a while. Okay. I, so I just called him the inspector in all my notes. Let's call him the uh, inspector, okay. Because his actual name is Jang Hae-jun. Now, his wife loves his cooking. Apparently, he's a decent cook. But right at the start, we know his marriage maybe is not all that, because his wife is kind of matter-of-fact about the whole thing, isn't she? Yeah. She refers to it as a weekend marriage. The reason being... I think he lives, or he works in Busan, and she lives in a place that's a bit out of the way, more on the coast, in the countryside kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So I think the only meet-up weekends, she describes it as a sex- sexless marriage. She's been discussing it with her friends, I think. Isn't he trying to have sex at least once a month or something? There's an indication that they, they're not having any, any whooping. Uh, no, I think he said once a week, whether they want to or not, or something. Something amusing. <laughs> <laughs> that, sounds, that sounds oppressive, doesn't it? Yeah. And Busan is actually a really nice city. It does seem to be a really nice mm. city. Again, this is a great uh, travel advert for Korea, isn't it? Korea, this yeah. film? Yeah. Apart from particularly, murders, of course. Particularly the landscape around the city. Yeah. Like that rock that the... So the, the case he's working on is a guy who's fallen from a cliff. Could yes. be suicide. Could equally well just have been an accident, I suppose. Because it's a lethal-looking, precipitous kind of drop. He's some sort of passport, security, immigration control kind of guy. I don't exactly know his, his Yeah, job. he works in immigration. Yeah, immigration, okay. Civil servant, yeah, yeah. He notes, you know, the time of death because his watch has stopped. He's got a wedding ring. And he's fallen down the most dramatic cliff face ever. And then he climbs the cliff with this amazing... Like motorised ascending device. Yeah, I believe that because I've seen Koreans move house and they do, huh. they do incredible things with these lifts that sort of go up to their windows and take out sofas. I think piecemeal. Have you talked about this before? Have, yeah, they yeah. just have like a flat platform and they lift it up. Yeah, it's like a really, really, really tall cherry picker. Just like 40 I saw the same high. thing in Paris. I was sitting outside on a pavement cafe. Mm-hmm. You know, in the street opposite. Someone was moving into an, or moving out of an apartment. And yeah, so you know what it's like in Paris. You know, there's loads of apartments over commercial properties. And they must all have really narrow, windy staircases, presumably. So yeah, they instead just get this, exactly as you described, like a cherry picker thing with, a, with no sides on it. And then they maneuver everything through the, you know, the first story window. Or second story if you're American. Or 40th if you live in Korea. <laughs> okay. They're really, 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 really tall. So I believe that. Okay. So Inspector gets up there. Essentially, he's retracing steps, isn't he? He's doing his inspectorally thing. By the way, presumably, like me, you watch this with subtitles, or did you? Do you understand it all anyway? No, I wouldn't be able to understand this. Uh, however, uh, it's like there's lots of Korean like complaining language in here. So it's like it's a tone in Korean, like when people are disgruntled. Okay, it's like a, it's like a, a they put a little a uh, register. Yeah, they, it's like a little lilt, uh, a, a grumble lilt at the end of every sentence, uh, which is very authentic. Okay, because uh, I think it's a tone that Korean people use like fifty or sixty percent of the time. Uh, and uh, so I was just listening to the to you know to the wash of the Korean waves kind of thing, rather than trying to understand it. Well, there was no dub for this film, and you know I normally when I'm reviewing for tried by cinema, I normally put a dub on because then I can take notes without having to look at the screen. Because mm-hmm. if you're having to write notes down, you've already missed three lines of dialogue by the time you look back up, which is a bit annoying. On the other hand, you know, I suppose you do enjoy the benefit of the original actor's 
vocal performance, even if you don't understand what they're saying. As you say, you can tell. Tell a lot, can't you, by the tone of their voice. This was like semi, semi-bilingual because the lead female, uh, essentially the lead suspect in one and then two of these cases, maybe three, I got a bit lost in the middle, uh, Tang Wei, the actress, uh, she's Chinese. Chinese. And she, and she plays, yeah. uh, you know, a recent uh, Chinese immigrant. That's right. Yeah, so it was doubly confusing at the start because I think I was struggling to, you know, I was trying to make sure I turned on subtitles and a whole lot of dialogue was happening with no subtitles. But I think that's because it was supposed to be in Chinese for the Korean audience. So you weren't supposed to understand it. No, you weren't supposed to. Because that's why they resort to translate on their phones halfway through, don't they? That's right. That's a really clever way of doing it. But I guess you knew the Chinese bits, but not the Korean bits. So for you, it was the flip reverse, was it? Actually, I, I could I could know bits of the Korean if I struggle, but I kind of wasn't because it was in Korean. I kind of tuned out to the Chinese as well. It's like, oh, oh, wait a minute, she's speaking Chinese. Oh, yeah, interesting. The policeman meets the wife of the dead man in the morgue where she has to identify it. And although she is Chinese, she does speak fairly good Korean. Haltingly, but maybe better than she lets on. The policeman hands her the phone that they found for the unlock pattern, which she provides, I think. They interview her, of course, and it seems that he used to beat her. I think that's the story. That is a story, yeah. Quite unprompted. I don't remember him asking for it. He, she shows him that he's had his monogram tattooed on her bikini line in a kind of proprietorial way. I just, she doesn't seem that happy about it, does she? No. No. Now, uh, I'm not sure which point this comes in, okay? Fairly early on, he's like he's wondering, like, how and why did she put up with that? What's she doing in Korea? Etc., etc., etc. She tells really quite a moving story about how she got to Korea and the fact she was kind of discovered or, or, or held by immigration. And that's when she kind of hooked up with him. Uh, and she was out at sea in some sort of container vessel or something like that. Essentially, almost at the point of eating her own feces, I think, before she was discovered. As it later transpires, I'm not sure how much she was hamming up that story, but, I mean, she told it very well. She works as a caregiver, doesn't she, for elderly people. Because she used to be a nurse, she was trained as a nurse in China. She's good at giving injections, which is you know, a, a useful skill to have when you're a caregiver dealing dealing with the elderly and so on. Mm-hmm. I think all of the detective's colleagues seem to suspect her, but clearly he fancies her. He's kind of smitten by her, isn't he, I think? Yeah. And we know that particularly because when he's telling his wife about how his day is going, or his week is going, he says that a young Chinese woman died on the mountain, and he feels sorry for her husband. So he's switched the sexes around, perhaps to avoid Detection. suspicion or yeah. any questions. Now, weirdly, like his 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 partner, like kind of gets stabbed halfway through the movie and can kind of disappears. We don't see him again, and then towards the end, he gets another partner in another city who's uh, who's a female detective. Yeah, I, d- I wasn't really sure about why we saw his partners like almost biographically when. The first one in particular, like we got to know his habits and that kind of thing, when he just like, he kind of disappeared from view, didn't he? Did you possibly fall asleep during this film, Paul? (laughs) Maybe, maybe. I don't know how much I should should admit to falling asleep, but why? Did his partner die a horrible death? Uh, No, he didn't. You're right. He did get kind of written out. I was right then. But it's quite a fair way down the, the story here. Oh, okay. Because the policeman starts watching her, you know, they, they go on stakeouts, don't they, and, uh, and observe to see whether mm-hmm. she's up to anything suspicious. I, I, I notice that they have, like, a neck massager in their car for stakeouts, which is quite... Well, he's got all kinds of stress problems, hasn't he, yeah, okay, already, you know, he's, like, the burden of all these murder investigations kind of preying on his, his well-being and certainly his sleep. But I, I enjoyed the steakhouse. Uh, they were kind of forensic in their detail, weren't they? However, there's kind of like a fever dream bit where he's in her apartment and not in her apartment. And she either is or isn't stalking him back. And I wasn't really sure what of that was real and not real. You're right, you're right. There is a little bit of a... It's a, it's a technique just for, I think, for explaining how 
how he's into her, how he's stalking oh, her, how he's sorry. obsessed by her, isn't it? To, to indicate that he's like there with her kind of thing. He's observing her closely. She, is she called Song Sio Ray? Is that her name? Yes. Uh, she goes in to give a DNA sample and she spots his wedding ring and he photographs scars on her upper thighs. And she claims that she's not a mountain person, so she wouldn't have been going up into the mountains. She gives some kind of Confucius quote about mountains, doesn't she? <laughs> She says, I think, of him, the immigration guy who died, that he was the only person to listen to her story, her refugee story, and, and, and care. And that's why she went with him. And that's why she put up with what he was doing. Which seems reasonable, okay. Is it at this point we get her backstory about her mother? I think that's right, yeah, yeah. And this China. is the point where the detective has bought sort of premium sushi from the expensive restaurant and oh. his partner isn't happy because he's always telling him to get junk food. Was it was it from a rotating Well we don't see the restaurant do. It's like takeout. It it was Uber Eats or something. What do you call the and rotating after, travelator in a sushi restaurant? After they've eaten, he hands her a toothbrush and toothpaste. Wow. Is that normal in Korea? If you have a meal know. at someone's house they're expected to give you a toothbrush? Maybe you've had a blowjob, but I mean <laughs> Okay, okay. It probably depends where you go in Korea. I don't. I don't think that is normal, though. No. I'll level with you. I wouldn't want to do that at lunchtime. Some people do. They take toothbrushes to work and stuff, don't they? But I brush my teeth twice a day, once in the morning and once at night. That's it. Do you not uh, swill at lunchtime? Swill what? The old mouth gargle. I mean, I suppose if I had something that might linger on the breath, I might. No, I mean with like, no. with with like the Colgate, you know, the, I don't want you to call it the mouthwash. No, I don't. I don't. I, I mean, I don't carry mouthwash around with me. Do you? Do you have a hip flask of mouthwash? No, no. no. So how would you? But I had a colleague. Well, I had lots of colleagues that did that. You know. Oh. Okay. They would eat at lunchtime and then they would go and gargle. All oh, right. Okay. And some yeah. of them would brush their teeth as well. As well. Gargling. Okay. Mm. Wow. Well, see, I. This policeman, he's a by-the-book kind of guy, isn't he? He's upstanding, he has ethical standards, he's a diligent policeman, I think we're given to understand. I think he's good at his job, basically. Which is why it's all the more surprising that he should wind up having a kind of dalliance or an attraction, an interest in a suspect, which must totally be against all the ethical boundaries, mustn't it? But she's beguilingly alluring, isn't she? Like, he, she, she's dangerous. and he, I think he's just drawn into that. Okay. I mean, there's a morbidity to this to this movie, you know. I mean, just in the general cinematography and the pace of it. Uh, and she's just... I mean, she's a fan fatale, isn't she? So, I, deep in his heart, I think he knows that uh, she's done something. Okay. And I think a confession comes from her pretty soon about her mother, doesn't it? Okay. Uh, he's just... He's just like a moth to to the death flame, I think he's just swirling. Because certainly control. initially, though, she's not like a super stunner. She's not dressed particularly sexually, is she? She's because she's I, working. Her face is very. It's very smooth and kind of sure nice. Sure. Later on in the film, where she's more glamorous and her hair's different, and she is, I think, a bit more, you know, like a femme fatale at that point. Mm-hmm. But initially, an obvious connect- comparison this movie has is with Basic Instinct. Yes. Sharon Stone, Michael Douglas, cop Definitely, again falling yeah. for the suspect. But that's, I mean, that's pure, like, sort of sexploitation stuff, isn't it? With a, mm-hmm. you know, a, a woman who's using very powerfully and obviously her sexuality to yes. befuddle the guys. You know, by comparison, this is much subtler. I mean, she's certainly very persuasive and charming. But she's not like that at the beginning at all, is she? That's no. the point I'm trying to make. It's a subtler experience altogether. And they never jump in bed on a quick bang, do they? No, they don't. No, no. There's an amazing chase, isn't there, at one point, with a suspect who pulls a knife. And our inspector guy, he pulls out a chainmail glove that apparently is the standard practice for knife fights. Whoa. Did you see that bit? Yeah. I didn't know it was standard practice. He puts this chainmail glove on. And then they, yeah, they have like a... It's kind of a martial art thing where he just grabs it with his off hand in the, gl- the glove. Standard practice wearing all police forces, or well, I, I don't think so. Maybe in Korea, 
I mean, it's pretty badass, isn't it? Grab someone's knife with a chainmail chain glove and then punch them in the face. Now, that guy, he then jumped off the building, didn't he, afterwards? And I, I didn't really get what was going on there. I don't know it's the same guy, because oh. that guy they take back, and his partner nearly beats him up in an interview room, doesn't he? Oh, right. But there's another guy who jumps off a building, and I don't know how that was connected to our main storyline. He's desperate. He's, he's a, you know, he's a rogue... Uh, yeah, but he's desperately in love with another woman. Uh, who's... Yeah, there is another kind of. There's a B story, isn't there? Oh, it's just a B story. Okay, I think yeah. so. Yeah. Right. So, at what point do we hear from our our lead female about what she did to her mother? Is it pretty soon or not? I think it's soon because he is still staking out her apartment, even though yeah. CCTV has corroborated her alibi that she was with an elderly person in one of her jobs mm-hmm. at the time. Even the details of her phone, is that right, yeah? Like a, yeah, there's some kind of phone stuff going on as well. I think they corroborate her location with the phone. But she comes out and catches him. He's fallen asleep in his car, uncharacteristically, ah. perhaps. He's got insomnia as well, hasn't he? He yeah. mentions that several times. She catches him in the car park outside. I see. I think he watches her, finds... Finds a dead crow outside her apartment with buy some food, and she goes back and buries it and something. He watches her speaking to her cat and thanking her cat for the crow. Apparently, the cat's caught the crow, and he records it on his watch so that he can translate it later using you know voice to text translation stuff. Yeah, and it mistranslates it slightly, but he. Well, we only know that later, but he thinks it's saying, bring me the head of that detective. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, his boss is telling him to look at a, a different case and close up the mountain case because it seems to be all, it's all settled, really. He's still seeing this woman's song, isn't he? And as you say, mm-hmm. she reveals a secret about her past in China. That's right. Which yeah. is what? She killed her mother. Yeah, but, I mean, she didn't just, like, murder With her. With fentanyl. Yeah, it was a mercy killing, effectively, wasn't effectively, it? Effectively, yeah. The mother asked her to do it, and she did it. She's in hospital, she's infirm, and she just gave her an overdose, I guess. And she's a nurse, so she did it well. Now, she brought four of the leftover pills to Korea. And that's supposed to be significant, but I never really saw how it was. I didn't quite understand that yet. It didn't hook <laughs> up with me totally. <laughs> it was I mentioned mean, several times, so maybe we're missing something. I guess as a nurse in China, she probably had easier access to the oh, kind definitely. of drugs that you would need to kill somebody. Maybe as a carer, you didn't, but oh, definitely. I don't know. I can't really connect the bits of this movie. Uh, like, uh, Okay, so there's that bit, and she's given these tantalising glimpses into, into another way of looking at her, which is somebody who's prepared to be- behave expediently. Yeah. Yes. So he gets that, and at the same time, I don't think he wants to believe it, does he? He and his partner do go to a Korean barbecue, don't they? They get drunk on soju. Yeah. Uh, they have a Korean barbecue, and for for reasons that I do not understand, uh-huh. his partner ends up drunk in Song's place, trashing it, and passing out there. Is that is that, that a fever dream? No, I think that really does happen. Oh. And he goes, the inspector goes. Tidies up after his partner, assures her that the case is closed, and cooks dinner. But I think that must have been at his place. And then his partner Very gets confused, stabbed by their, their a guy the next look day. Quite similar, don't they? <laughs> yes, yeah, that's the problem. Everything looks quite similar. Everything's like in subdued lighting. You know, everything's at dusk or a twilight. It's all very, very, very you know, film noir. Uh, and yeah, it's really hard to know whose apartment is whose. He's telling her about this other case, a guy who used a hatchet to kill a guy. And that's the guy ah. who ends up stabbing his partner. Oh, okay, so he's convinced that guy is guilty. And so he tells her about it. And this guy is guilty. He has killed his partner and he, because he's desperate in love with another woman. Is that right? Something like that? There's a chase after the guy stabbed Where his, his partner. partner gets stabbed. They wind up on the rooftop. That guy has no way down. And he doesn't use a chairmail glove. No, I think he tries to talk him down, right? but the guy winds up jumping, doesn't he? I see. I think that event, that suicide in front of him, causes him... I mean, maybe he was like ah. told to take some time off or something, but he, he moves from the Busan precinct to where his wife lives, 
in the seaside town. Now, at some point, she's given away the detail that her husband was being blackmailed uh, because he'd been supposedly a corrupt immigration officer. Well, he was corrupt, wasn't he? He was I mean, clearly. Yeah. He he he'd you know he'd smoothed the way for her her passage for yeah, his wife, yeah. and presumably he's not above doing that as well for money. You would imagine, yeah. So he does some large-scale corruption and was being blackmailed. And so, really, the chapters, I think the chapter is, in a sense, closed on his death because it all kind of fits together, doesn't it? So she encourages him to take down all the pictures he has up. He has kind of like a red-string wall kind of thing, doesn't he? Yeah. With pictures of all of the the suspects and her pictures. And destroy the evidence, well. yeah, yeah. So he takes it all down and he throws it all away and burns it all and stuff. Case closed, no harm done. Yeah. She gives him some... U.S. Navy method for insomnia. Oh, not fentanyl. Then. Of imagining you're you're a jellyfish in the sea, just floating, drifting. And it kind of goes slow at that point, doesn't it, for a bit until. Well, it gets a bit like a romantic, you know, not a rom com. But they go to actually, there are some funny bits in this film, aren't there? Oddly, were there? I think so. Oh. I just found myself falling asleep. There's that bit with the uh, <laughs> not falling asleep. No, not like you, Paul. They go to a shrine. He moisturises her hands in a very, you know, I mean... it Light essential or cloying way, I'm not sure how you read it. She says that he's a dignified, very dignified for a modern person. You know, he plays her his surveillance notes that he'd made on his voice note thing. Oh, God. Makes a sob, so he, she deletes them, because she doesn't want to hear them, apparently. Now, is she falling in love or is she just pretending to fall in love? Well, mm. I think we know by the end, don't we? Yeah. When he goes to his wife, she accuses him of smoking because he can smell uh, cigarettes on him. But it really, of course, it was it was the, that woman. And he lies and he blames it on somebody else. That's a good job. It's not her perfume, isn't it? And then she calls him and she says she's got to go to hospital with one of the elderly people. Yeah. But she's got another appointment. And he offers to go and do a job for her, to go and stay with his granny for a while while she's away in that, It was strange, wasn't it? I guess it's showing, it's showing that they're really falling in love. And he's devoted to her. He's prepared to go out of his way for her. Yeah. Now, is this when he makes the critical discovery about Granny's phone? Yes. He ah. sees that it's exactly the same kind of phone that she has. And he manages to get Granny to open it, yeah? And when he does, he looks at... And this is clever, clever. This is, this is good, isn't it? It's modern policing. He looks at the exercise record. And this is a bed-bound woman, of course. It's not just steps. It's elevation, isn't it? And on the day of the murder... It's it's climbed lots and lots of steps. The elevation, as you say, it went really three hundred and twelve flights of stairs or something ridiculous. And guess what? He goes back to the mountain, turns on his elevation. He also speaks to the lady. He speaks to the old lady because she'd corroborated the uh, alibi that that, That's right, that, the, yeah. that song was with her. And he asks her what day it is, and she says, "Oh, you know, his song's supposed to be here." Yeah. Oh well, it must be Thursday or whatever it was then. Yeah. So she doesn't know, does she? She doesn't know what day she it is. She doesn't know shit. Daft old <laughs> Right, okay. So he takes the, his phone with the exerciser, uh, exercise meter to the mountain, climbs the very impressive cliff and finds out it's exactly 312 flights of stairs tall. Yeah, that's right. So he knows. He knows. He goes and confronts her, doesn't he, straight away? You switch that phone, you killed your husband. She's like... Dignity comes from pride. Oh. Um, I oh, know that that's that's the really moving thing. She says it's, that uh, he had threatened to send her back to China, so uh. she sent the blackmail letters that she'd mentioned, and then obviously figured out a way to kill him. And yeah, he's sort of confessing his love, isn't he? I think yeah. dignity comes from pride. He was a proud policeman, and now he is shattered. So he, you know, he's compromised himself for this woman, but he covers it up, doesn't he? He buys the granny a new phone. He gives her the phone that is the evidence, the critical evidence. He tells her to get rid of it, you know, throw it in the ocean kind of thing. He's complicit. Wow. And he goes off and sees a sleep doctor to help him sleep. Well, I'll say, if he wasn't losing sleep before, well, he should be now, shouldn't he? <laughs> exactly, yeah. Uh, Son winds up with a new husband, and our inspector knows this because he meets them in the market in the seaside town where he lives with his wife, strangely. Outside of Busan. It's, oh, it's Ippo, Ippo, isn't it? Yeah, I've never been there. No, her, her new, her new, I've never been there, but her new guy is a finance floozy, isn't he? He's the kind of guy that would take your pension and run. 
I think so. I never worked out what he was doing, but he's a shady guy. There's no question of that. The inspector's wife, we learn, I think at this point, is... Well, she works at the nuclear reactor, doesn't she? She does, yeah. Clearly cleaner nuclear is the slogan that she, she parrots. Well, perhaps not entirely surprisingly, Song's new husband winds up dead. And because it's in his new district, our inspector has to go and investigate. And he confronts her on the shoreline. They've got a beachfront house, haven't they? Expensive beachfront property. Well, he was on the run. What he was doing, he was taking people's savings, you know, 100 grand. And uh, obviously people don't ask it back for two or three years. And he was falsifying the returns. So he was saying you made 8,000 this month. 7,000 a month before. Of course, then people put more money in until, you know, the the term is up in three years' time. Well, it doesn't matter by that point because he's taken all the money spent and run. So that's why they were hanging out in Epo is because, like, it's remote and uh, nobody would find them there. And he asks why she would marry, uh, you know, a showy guy like that. Mm. And she says, so she could make the decision to leave another man. So they use the name of the film in the dialogue. Ah. It's pretty exciting. He goes to see her at her place and finds that she's burnt a dress that she'd been wearing. And she claims that when she got back, the pool was full of blood. And she knows that the inspector is a bit squeamish about blood, isn't he? And she knew that he would be coming up to look. So she drained the pool, you know, clean all the blood up, hold the buddy up to the side uh, of the pool where it, it was lying dead. And rinsed it down and then cleaned the pool. And because she had blood on her dress, she decided to burn it. Sounds convincing. Sounds plausible. So he arrests her for destroying evidence. And then, disappointingly, they give her a polygraph test. Just in case anybody has any doubt, polygraph tests don't work. They do measure anxiety. But then you'd be anxious if you were telling the truth also, wouldn't you? Exactly, Paul. They measure anxiety, not truth or falsehood. One of the things people don't realise about polygraph tests as well, have I mentioned this on the podcast before? Not this podcast, but... uh, uh, (laughs) On other podcasts. In a parallel podcast universe you have, Richard, yes. Uh, The way polygraph tests work is there'll be a pre-test interview where they'll ask you a number of questions. Did you ever take drugs? uh, One of the things that they'll ask you before they even get to those questions is whether uh, whether you are familiar with polygraph tests whether you know about polygraph countermeasures. Yeah, clenching your butt. They probably won't put it that way. If you admit that you know about polygraph countermeasures, the polygraph examiner is almost certainly going to give you uh, an inconclusive result. (laughs) They won't say that you passed because you admitted, truthfully, (laughs) that you know how to defeat a polygraph. The, The only thing you can do there if you want a pass is to lie. Okay. Just a bit of advice there. Go on, Rich, you were saying. Well, what's the next bit then? I don't know. This is kind of where I really tapped out, okay? It's like I never found out how she murdered her husband or why or did he, how did he find out how she did it? Well, well what they do is they've got like another suspect. a second suspect, husband, I mean, a, a, second, a second husband. They've got another suspect, this guy who had been a victim or his mum had been a yes. victim. He confesses under cross-examination. Mm-hmm. So maybe she had arranged for him to kill her husband. Is that what But at the same time, he's put a tracker, the the guy, the hitman apparently, has put a tracker on her, our our, our lead lady's phone. Is that right? Yes, I think that's true. And I didn't really follow all that, I have to be honest. One of the bits that I thought was slightly funny was he then goes to a different case, which is turtle thieves, people stealing soft-shell turtles from a turtle farm. And one of the cops gets bitten by a turtle. (laughs) I like that. I love the I love the fact that I love the moped when it crashed and all the turtles spilled out onto the road, uh, and the fact that you know instead of arresting them, they say, "Come on, help pick up the turtles," kind of stuff. That was comic, actually, wasn't it? Exactly, it was funny. There's some funny moments. He's been speaking to people who may have seen Song around the time of the murder. There are some who describe that she was like out by the ocean and she was sort of waving or something. Yeah. And he figures out very cleverly again that what she was actually doing was bringing her arm back to chuck a phone into the ocean. At some point, he asks about, you know, the burner phone that she was using. She leads him up the mountaintop where there's a grave, which I think was her family, wasn't it? 
Yes, because her great-grandfather was some Korean hero yeah. in the Japanese occupation. That's right, fighting against the Japanese, that's right. And so he'd had a mountain named after him or something. I don't. I couldn't really call her, to be honest with you. And she's lamenting that good men won't, won't marry her and that it takes a murder to meet him. So, effectively, she's been murdering <laughs> so that the inspector will call. That is nuts. She's wearing, strangely, a, head, a light on her head, isn't she? Because it is in the middle of the night on a mountain. But she's confessing her love with this headlight on, which I thought was strange. And then they kiss in a cave, don't they? Is it in a cave? Oh, well, maybe not. Maybe it's under. It's a cycling light, isn't it? Because the back has got like, like another kind of light, like that's going, like a, a red light that's going left to right. It's really strange. But she's brought her grandpa and mum's ashes to be scattered up here. Yes. She hands him the old phone with the evidence on it. She kisses him finally. Finally, the inspector gets back, I think, to his house, and his wife is moving out with a new guy. So his marriage is truly over now. But the burner phone that she chucked into the sea has been found by divers. And it looks like Song's husband's plan was to share the recordings of their interaction, of their affair, with the inspector's wife and the rest of the world, which would obviously have been Ah. been bad for him. Does that explain things to you, Paul? That does, yeah. Thank you. She starts driving up the coast, doesn't she? Mm Mm-hmm. And cut a long story short, she kills herself, doesn't she? <laughs> Hold on. Oh, is there more? Trigger alert, yeah, she does kill herself. It's quite heartbreaking, the end of this film. Quite mm. affecting, I found. He calls her to confront her and asks about the recording. She says it's actually his voice telling her that he loves her. Ah. She says, the moment you said you love me, your love ended and my love began. It's very, it's very heartbreaking. She's gone, she's driving up the coast, and he's tracking her phone, but he's behind her by some time, so he's not very close behind her. She goes to the beach. And she's and she literally digs digging her own grave. With a bucket. And she, this is a very strange way to kill yourself, I would have thought. Tragic, though. She digs a hole on the, in the beach, close to where the tide is coming in, lies in it, and waits for the tide to not only engulf her, but also bury the, bury, the, yeah. bury the hole. And he winds up getting there, but too late. He's standing exactly in the spot where she dug that hole, like just feet over. Yeah. I'm just thinking, it's only a high tide, so at low tide there's going to be dogs digging that up, isn't there? Yeah, th- thanks, Paul. <laughs> Trotting over with a bone. Yeah, something like that, yeah. She didn't think that out, did she? It's a very it's a very bleak ending, actually, isn't it? Well, that's it, really. Paul, this is a highly regarded movie. Is it? It reviewed well. I mean, the cinematography is superb. Yes, it is. You know, if you if you like deeply thoughtful, mature movies, yeah. And of course, the fact that she kills herself at the end, that is her decision to leave, isn't it? That's a bit of a shitter, yeah. 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 <laughs> so like <laughs> Like, for, you, for people that like, you know, sushi conveyor belts. I could see it didn't really, the, the, the whole sadness at the end didn't really bite for you, did it, nah. For people like sushi conveyor belts, Richard, I wouldn't say this works as a movie, to be honest with you. you know. I didn't really get this, the treatise that it was on, on life and death. I didn't, it didn't really connect with me. Like, like, I didn't really see why she decided to kill herself, to be honest with you. Like, she's got an inspector covering for her. Why was she so forlorn? You raise a good point. I mean, arguably, there's never a good reason to kill yourself, is there? There's okay. always hope. Is that not true? If if you've reached the point where you want to end it all, mm. there's surely something you could do. You could lose all your inhibitions and do something that you would otherwise have never been able to do because you're mm. concerned about the consequences. Surely. Mm. That would be the moment, wouldn't it? If you were about to end it all, there'd be yeah. something crazy you could do. I would. You, you could do that before you ended it all. Well, yeah. That's if, how if my auntie were... got pregnant by me. No, sorry, go on, carry on. <laughs> I wasn't suicidal. No, go on, carry on. Well, yeah, maybe. But, you know, perhaps in being so uninhibited, 
perhaps yeah. that might, in a sense, be some cure for the malaise. Out with a bang, you know. At the moment, they're saying, like, you know, microdoses of mu- mushrooms can really, really cure people. I'm not convinced. But I see, I, see the, I see the theory, yeah. You know, if you're going to go out with a bang, if you head out with a bang, you might just have such a good time or just well, get it out of your system, you know. Yeah, exactly. Sort of primal yeah. scream kind of catharsis that... You see light at the end of the tunnel. Definitely, I'm sure that does happen. But don't, for goodness sake, don't dig a hole in the beach and, and pop yourself in it. Oh, I see. It is sad in that sense, isn't it? I mean, it really is like, it's like watching an animal crawl, well, literally crawl in a hole and die, isn't it? You know, Heartbreaking, but not Elef- for everybody. Elephant graveyard kind of heartbreaking. I hated Tarzan because I never knew which episode we were going to see elephants go and die. As a kid. Did you know- that happen in Tarzan? Pretty sure there were one or two episodes. Uh, the stuff that was on, you know, like you know, Friday mornings, okay, in the holidays. I'm pretty sure there were one or two episodes, and it was repeated every year, wasn't it? So I saw the same. I always saw Tom Sawyer every year, and I always saw Tarzan every year, uh, like the Tarzan TV shows, okay. For I think they were from the mid fifties, yeah. And there's one that's really sad where the elephants go and die. Yeah, they go to the elephant's graveyard. So is it the inevitability, the inexorability of a death that makes it such a profound movie? Well, first of all, it's shocking. I didn't expect it. Oh. I didn't, it didn't occur to me that that's what she was doing. But she's been battered and bruised by life, hasn't she? I mean, it's been awful. I suppose so. Mm. And they do say mental health uh, these days, they've realised, is the ability to ignore lots of things. <laughs> like, you know, this idea you contemplate your feelings, discuss, dig into your feelings. I'm not sure it helps. Uh, apparently what keeps people healthy is the fact they can just ignore life as much as possible. Compartmentalise, yeah. yeah. That's right. Which is kind of counter to the advice we've been given, you know, the last 20 or 30 years, isn't it? Keep all your dark feelings screwed up tightly in a ball. You know, and then go down karaoke, you know, put on the suit, put on the songs, get drunk and sing, you know. I mean, like... Yeah, but I mean, that's not satisfying, is it? Because we've all got our pride and we all want to think that our thoughts are meaningful and the way we comport ourselves, i.e. move between our thoughts, has to have some level of significance and worth. Whereas if, you know, your thoughts need to be thrown away every Friday night, you need to go and get blottoed. It's kind of not satisfying, is it, to to realise that? that We're just here to, to make sure that we don't get too upset with ourselves. Well, give me an acting score then. Well, can I just say the cinematography was absolutely knockout, and also the location choices of location, incredible, incredible beach at the end. I just can't believe Korea's got such beautiful beaches because I never saw them. Uh, just really, but you never really, went to Ippo, as you said. So. I didn't know. I'd like to go now. The mist, the amazing sunsets, just wild and fabulous all at the same time. And I kind of think it, that was the shot that really, you know, you get. A, sense of how her emotions are tainting the landscape and the landscape is kind of reflective there's a flur like a, a passionate sun that's also going down and yet at the same time surrounded by all this mist and swelling seas it's oh it's it, i mean it's it is i think in terms of the scenery and the location that final that final that final scene is pretty pretty almost perfectly opposite for for, for what's going on but I wasn't, I failed to be moved by the storyline. So acting was great. This is definite strength. Okay, uh, really good. Uh, I'm going to give it an eight. In particular, her. You know, her acting, I thought, was really, really, really spot on. Yeah, I would agree with that. Yeah, I was mostly persuaded by the acting. I'll give it an eight also. Plot. Plot for me, like, I know it's involved. Uh, I like the twists and turns, okay, particularly the Switch phone. That was lovely. Okay. But you didn't follow them. But is that their no, fault or your fault? Who but, knows? Okay, right, okay, just slow down a bit, okay. Uh, I did essentially follow the movie. When you were awake. The, yeah. Apart from the last yeah. half, right. <laughs> it's just, I felt the, like that twist came too early. Like, I, I would have liked it Christie style. Well, that kind of comes at the end, you know. Hercule is twisting his moustache. Oh, what, the twist that she actually killed her husband? Yeah. I, w- I would have preferred... I, I understand what you mean, but I think the point of the story is... Isn't about that. It's an examination of the human condition. Yeah, I get it. But also, it's challenge to the policeman, isn't he? he? He sort of tried to give it up, and he moved out of Busan, but she followed him there, yeah. isn't it? And if that hadn't already happened, and you didn't already know that you knew that she'd done it, that wouldn't have had that effect. Right? Okay. So I would have scored it six, but I accept I was crap, so I'm going to score it seven. I loved the writing around, you know, the technology and the languages mm-hmm. and 
Oh, that was good. You're right. Yeah. There's yeah. something very well observed about it all. So I'll give it an eight. Okay. It is a bit complicated at points. I, yeah, I didn't quite understand how she killed Thank the you. second husband. Yeah, Thank yeah. you. And there was there was detail that you know, although it does, it, it is interesting to how real and how complicated and how unconnected police investigations are. Still, it's a work of fiction. I thought I felt like some of the details should have been less extraneous and more connected to what we were focusing on. Yeah, so that's my criticism is that. It is followable, but you have to pay attention. However, it doesn't really help itself in terms of presenting what it's trying to present as clear as possible. A third category. Well, we should do location then, shouldn't we? Location at nine. Location is sometimes, or should be, I think, considered one of the stars of a movie. Yeah, Hitchcock's Birds. So much was made by its location. What was the location of Hitchcock's Birds? Oh, just beautiful sort of... uh, Sort of little uh, coastal fishing fishing towns, you know. So you, you don't know, but wherever it was, it was pretty good. Oh, I don't actually know the location. I'm just, you know, the, <laughs> in the movie, it was just so evocative, you know. Like, as the wild, she's a wild girl, isn't she, in the birds? Okay. Uh, and there's just a sense of a careening around this fast sports car and these sort of, uh, these slow little, but well off, like uh, fishing villages, yeah. And it's quite similar here, you know, it, like, the movie was suffused with location, wasn't it? The location meant a lot. And was obviously very carefully chosen. So. Yes, I think an eight for the location for me. Okay, so what the final category, Richard, if you don't want to talk about how much the meaning of lift this one does? No, no, no. We can talk about that. We can talk about meaning or melancholy or something. Yeah, okay. Mood and meaning, okay. Yeah, a good score. 7.5 from me, okay. I didn't want the strictures of having to face the baggage and emotional hurt that surrounds all our middle-aged lives. Uh, and this is so, but if you've got to do it, this is a good movie to face it all with, you know, and maybe it'll make you feel less or more clear about that. Uh, I don't know. But yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, it's addressing deep themes, none of which I was particularly engaged with. So a 7.5. It's not a happy movie. It's part romance. It's part thriller. It is kind of noir, mm-hmm. I think. Oh, it's it very noir, yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll give it a seven for being Whoa. somewhat of a downer at the end okay. of the day. For an overall score, though, I mean, I think this is a, a strong eight. Yeah. Um, You're not, maybe not so keen on it, Paul. Uh, well, my scores are higher than that, but I'm going to score it 7.5 because I just didn't enjoy it that much, unfortunately. It's a good movie, but... Not for me. Well, okay. Just one thing to say. One thing to say. Oh. Okay. Uh, there are several points where they do that. Do you wow. know Chinese kung fu movies from the 70s where they do the super fast zoom on somebody's face? Like, it's a landscape shot. And then as the camera pans to the person who wants to zoom, zoom in, it pans and zooms at the same time. And then kind of shakes once it finds the person's face that it's looking for. Is it called a that. dolly zoom? Yeah. I don't know. But they used it a lot in Chinese Kung Fu in the 70s, uh, Kung Fu movies in the 70s. And they, they did it two or three times here. So I, I'm not sure if it's a standard shot in old Korean movies or not. I guess it might be. But it's really interesting to see it used because, I mean, it's just it's not a shot you see these days. So Well, Paul, if you didn't like this, we're going to have to go for something you've yearned to see for uh, a long yeah, time. Yeah, kind of a white whale. And maybe to find it. Definite white whale of mine, okay. Uh, By white whale, we mean something you've been searching for, like Ahab. Like Ahab. Yeah. many a year. For a long time, yeah. Okay, so... Okay, so what is it? Well, there was a movie that we didn't get to watch, but we watched a movie starring the star of the movie that I wanted to watch, which was Relax, It's Just Sex. Okay, and instead we watched... Was it Heist or something like that? I can't remember what the movie was called. Uh, starring <laughs> two... To bosom female heist artists who are out to rob their one of their boyfriends or one of their husbands' money. Oh, bound, you mean? Bound, yeah. thank you. Okay. So, uh, that was a white whale that we never got to see. Uh, relax, it's just sex, because it's just not available anywhere, anywhere at all. Now, this one is available, and it is one of my white whales. It's Trust. Trust. Yeah. Trust. Okay. By a famous director. By Hal Hartley. Hal Hartley, yes. Who was famous for a short time. And I think it's from 1990. So it is it's a bit of an old movie. But that's the nature of white whales. They escape people's capture for a long time. So Now, I'm, I'm interested because I loved it at the time, but I imagine I'm going to hate it this time through. Oh. Oh, well, that will be interesting. Yeah. So... 
That's next week's movie. Thank you for listening. Join us for episode then. 26. Until the next time, goodbye. Ciao for that. See you the next one. Thank you.